Hi parents, are you feeling unfulfilled by parenthood? Convinced you're doing it all wrong? Experiencing a sense of shame and confusion despite trying every positive and gentle parenting strategy out there only to find that they backfire with your child and you just want things to get better? If so, you've come to the right place. My name is Bevan Walters. I'm a certified parent coach and educator with more than 25 years of experience. I specialize in supporting parents of complex kids, and I do so through my unique 3D parent model, a simplified approach to parenting complex kids. I believe that every parent has the capacity to become the parenting expert of their own children. I'll show you the way. Welcome to a journey of empowered parenting on the 3D Parent Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 87 of the 3D Parent Podcast. This episode is Parenting with Deep Connection. Today on the episode, we are going to be exploring the third part of the 3D Parent model and the second D of the model, the D of Deep Connection. The whole model is parenting with dignity, direction, and deep connection. So today, as I just said, we're going to dive into what I mean by deep connection when it comes to my model and the way I talk about parenting kids, especially our complex kids. I'm talking here about secure attachment and the importance of building this bond with your children and nurturing it throughout your child's life. This is without a doubt the most important focus for any parent and the only essential tool in your parenting toolbox for a secure, deeply rooted attachment or bond to develop with your child. Connection is without a doubt the greatest of all human needs. Maslow, it turns out, got it wrong when he was talking about his hierarchy of needs. This is beyond food and water in terms of the long-range well-being of a human, all humans more than anything else need, more than anything, a strong connection with at least one individual, ideally more, but at least one connection is necessary. There is kind of a formula that you can think about. I was introduced to this through the work of Dr. Gordon Neufeld. I talked about in the last episode when talking about finding your sense of direction. And I was discussing the stages of development for emotional maturity. And one of them, the essential stage of being able to feel the full range of one's emotions and feelings. And that equates to kind of being able to maintain a soft heart of sorts, the ability to feel vulnerable feelings, all feelings, not just the pleasant ones that we all enjoy, but the full range of feelings. That is half of the whole formula that will end up with the highest chance for emotional health and maturity and human potential. The other part of the equation is a secure attachment. So again, the equation is a soft heart, which is an access to feelings, plus a secure attachment, which is the deep connection, equates to emotional health, maturity, and human potential. So this is really important stuff I'm talking about here and why I focus so much on this in terms of my model, the 3D parent model, the deep connection. 
So there's a lot of research. This is not new stuff that I'm talking about here. There's the, the study of attachment or the science of relationship dates back more than 100 years. I think over 150 years as we've come to know it as attachment theory. As I already stated, it's essential for children to have at least one secure attachment with a consistent primary caregiver to reach emotional health and maturity and their potential. Again, more than one is ideal, but one is required for this process to unfold. So why is this so important? What are the studies on attachment theory telling us about what a secure attachment provides a child? It provides a stronger self-esteem, a secure sense of self, more independent and resilient and adaptive children and adults, kids who are securely attached and have a deep connection with at least one primary caregiver, perform better in school, have more success in their social relationships, and experience less incidence of depression and anxiety. So this is really important. This is not fluff. This is actually really a huge piece, if not the biggest piece of your child's development and something that you as parents have a tremendous responsibility to provide and focus on in your parenting. Strangely enough, given this information, this is something many parents don't put a lot of focus on beyond the baby years. They just kind of take for granted, oh, my kid, they know I love them. They feel a secure relationship with me and they kind of move on with life. But that is actually something that societally we need to look at a little deeper and change because of this importance. We need to, as parents, really put consistent focus on deepening, strengthening, and sustaining our deep connections and securely rooted and attached relationships with our children. I think that this kind of lack of focus as a society is really largely based on a lack of understanding about what attachment is, how it forms, and why it is so essential, and how to continue to foster that deep connection beyond infancy and early childhood. This is why I focus on it so much in my work. And I very rarely work with parents of infants or toddlers. Most of my clients and folks that I work with and my parent coaching have kids that are at the youngest ages, three, all the way up into the teen years. Yet I'm still focusing and talking so much with my clients and members of a membership community about connection and attachment. And again, it's one of those pieces of the four parts of the 3D parent model. So today on this episode, I'm going to talk about this attachment and how to understand how it forms, what it looks like, and how to maintain and sustain this connection with your children through their various ages and stages of their development and your relationship with them. And to do so, I'm going to once again highlight the research and work of developmental psychologist, Dr. Gordon Neufeld. He has formulated and brought to light what he defines as the six stages of attachment. Now, again, Dr. Neufeld is not somebody who created the theories around attachment theory. He basically took this research and he furthered it and broke it down into these six stages, which I have found to be profoundly impactful, not only in my parenting, but also the work I do with other parents, helping them make sense of 
where the strength of their relationship with their children currently lies and how to make that relationship even stronger from where it currently stands and into the future. Dr. Neufeld helps parents understand their children better and understand their needs when it comes to fostering this deep connection through this six stages of attachment paradigm that he has introduced. This language that I'm going to be using is coming directly from Dr. Neufeld, but I'm kind of explaining it with my own words to you. The six stages are stage one, proximity, stage two, sameness, stage three, belonging and loyalty, stage four, significance, stage five, love, and stage six, the stage of being known. I'm going to talk through each one of these stages to help you better understand what he means by this language. And it's important to note that each of these stages of attachment develop sequentially at about a year at a time from the point at which a child is born or a child enters and comes home and enters into a family in cases of fostering and adoption. So the first stage of attachment, again, the stage of proximity, and this is the need to connect through the senses. So it looks like wanting to be close, carried, cuddled, the hugs, the kisses, a child wanting to be in the same space as us and to receive their parents' nurturing, to be fed by, comforted by, and taken care of on that very physical level. The second stage of attachment, the stage of sameness, this refers to a child wanting to feel like their parents, similar to their parents, connecting upon recognizing ways in which they are the same. And this looks like a child copying their parents' mannerisms and sounds and language. In fact, that's actually how the ability to speak is developed by young children and toddlers and babies mimicking the sounds, the shapes of our mouths and wanting to be alike and same with their parents and primary caregivers. But furthermore, beyond the infant and young child stage, this looks like a child who wants to look like their parent, dress like their parent, take on similar interests as their parent and take comfort in predictable, reliable routines shared with their parents and rituals. The third stage of attachment developing at about the third year of life is the stage referred to as belonging and loyalty, which is the need to feel a secure sense of being and a part of and on the same side as one's parents. During the third years of life, kids become really possessive of their belongings, their stuff, and also their parents. If you think about a two to three-year-old child, they really struggle at sharing because everything is theirs. Well, this also relates to their parents. Children oftentimes, if there is a new sibling, a baby that is introduced to a family at this stage, it really, really makes a child feel this even more intensely. They become even more intense in their pursuit of feeling like they belong, that their parent is theirs. And because of that, they might really struggle when they see a parent paying attention to another sibling. 
Children at this stage also instinctively want to please. They want to follow those to whom they feel loyal to, although they will test this repeatedly. And that's why, you know, the terrible twos get their name and three nagers get their name is because they're constantly testing to see, do I belong? Can I rely on this parent, this caregiver to take care of me? They'll be testing to kind of make sure and check for a sense of belonging and loyalty, including when it comes to things that fall into that kind of discipline level. And children, even though they might fight back or throw fits or tantrums around the limits that we set, they come to accept their parents' limits and know their parents are reliable to be able to set those parameters and to lead them. All is encompassed in that stage of belonging and loyalty. The fourth stage during the fourth year of life in typical and ideal development is a stage referred to as significance. And that is a need for a child to feel special and to matter and know that they are important to their parents. Children want to be noticed to those that are most significant to them. And they want to believe that at least one person, they need to believe that at least person delights in their presence. The foundation of self-esteem is really rooted in this stage of development. When a child feels like they matter to their most significant caregivers, they develop this core sense of worth, self-worth, that they matter and they deserve to feel like they matter around other people in their relationships. So this extends beyond just the parent-child relationship into adult relationships and more mature relationships that children will develop throughout their childhood and beyond. Children deeply need to feel seen and heard and accepted no matter what version of themselves is showing up, even and most especially when they're at their worst. Sometimes parents feel like, oh, I don't want to pay attention to my child when they're being really needy or demanding or throwing tantrums. I don't want to encourage that behavior. That is not what's going on. Your child is struggling and even more than ever, they need to feel your presence and that they're accepted and that you're there to help and support them even when they're having a really tough time. A lot of times children show up in these ways where they're trying to get attention and they're look at me, look at me, and they're constantly trying to grasp the center of tension in their family units. It's a sign of a child who's really trying to feel a sense of significance. Either they are young and in their fourth year of life, and this is kind of the stage of attachment that's developing, or if they're still kind of showing these signs and they're five, six, seven years of age, it might be an indication that they have an insecurity at the stage of attachment, which is a great thing for a parent to observe because they can then go about the work of helping the child feel more secure at that level. More on that later. But moving on to the fifth stage of development of attachment, and that is the stage that Neufeld refers to as love or the need for a deeper, more emotionally intimate connection to be sensed between a parent and child. This correlates with a stage of development within the limbic system in the brain. During the fifth year of life, approximately, the limbic system grows and therefore the emotional center of the brain has been turned on at a higher intensity. So a child has the ability to experience a more intimate emotional connection with others, most especially their parents and primary caregivers. So true feelings of love emerge in children. 
but you'll start seeing hearts appear in children's drawings. They'll often say things like, I want to marry my mom. I want to marry my dad. You'll start hearing phrases like, I love you, which you may have heard previously. In fact, I'm sure in most cases you have, but now they truly seem to convey a deeper feeling. It's not the younger stage of development where a child might from an instinct of wanting to connect through sameness. They may be parroting or copying the words, I love you, or other kind of uh, terms of endearment that we have been saying to our kids. And they may be repeating those back, but that's more connecting through a stage of sameness. At this fifth year and fifth stage of development, they actually are feeling this more intimate, emotional sense of love and connection. So those words, you can sense it. It comes with a deeper level of intensity than it did when the child was younger. At this stage of development, children truly give their hearts to their parents. And that is a really important and profound stage in terms of developing this deep connection with between parent and child. The final and sixth stage of attachment Newfeld has labeled as being known. And this is the need to share all that is within oneself and to be fully understood by a parent. Children at this stage choose their parents as their secret keepers. They wouldn't think of keeping secrets or hiding things from their parents or not for long because to do so would feel very, very uncomfortable. They want to be able to feel completely safe, to be vulnerable and be known to their core, even their mistakes, even the things that they have done wrong. They don't want to withhold that from their parents because that would feel like a very uncomfortable and palpable separation between parent and child. So attachment at this level allows a child to feel fully, fully securely attached to their parent which also enables them to be able to sustain periods of separation without as much distress surrounding that separation. So it allows a child to feel a sense of connection and attachment even when apart. So like I said, when I first started talking about this at the beginning of this episode, that this need for connection is important above food and water, beyond, of course, to sustaining human life. For the well-being of a human, this need for connection is paramount. We would never starve our children to death or deny them water. Yet many children, even those who are loved by their parents and caregivers, are indeed starving for connection. Yet, strangely enough, in modern-day parenting, we oftentimes will deny this because we'll say, oh my gosh, my child is trying to get my attention. Therefore, I'm not going to give it to them or will encourage them to look for it even more. No, your child is saying, I am starving for connection. And the answer to that is never send the child to the room, ignore them, giving them a time out, or, oh my gosh, I just need to create more separation, plug them into more activities, occupy them more, distract them with more time with playmates. No, that's only going to feed more of this lack of connection, more of a sense of security for your child. We would never deny, like I said, our child access to food or water but we also would never give them the bare minimum. Yet again, that is something that has become all too common in modern day parenting. We give our kids just enough to sustain them, yet they're always coming back for more. We need to learn how to give our children rest in their secure 
connection with us. That is essential for their well-being. When children keep on coming to us and they're pursuing us and pursuing us and they keep feeling closed off or shut off or not like, like we don't have time for them, that they're not significant enough to us, they eventually kind of give up and they lose that pursuit because it's too difficult coming to an empty well again and again and again. So what do they tend to do? Well, they go elsewhere. Really commonly, they'll go to other things that can give them a false sense of temporary fulfillment, things like screens and media. And they'll also sometimes turn to their peers as replacements for connection that they should be receiving from their parents and primary caregivers. We need to look out for that. That is not something that is going to be very helpful in a child's development and them being able to reach emotional maturity, well-being, and reach their potential in life. It is going to set them up for a lot of problems. Hey there, parents. If you're raising complex kids and navigating the unique challenges that come with it, I've got something special just for you. The 3D Parent Village, your go-to parenting membership community. The 3D Parent Village is not just a membership. It's a supportive community where you can connect with other families who understand the joys and struggles of raising similarly wired children. Hi, I'm Devin Walters, the OG 3D Parent and your guide in this parenting journey. Join me in the 3D Parent Village and let's tackle the challenges together. Inside the village, you'll find access to parent education, group coaching, and an ever-expanding resource library, all rooted in my unique 3D parent approach. We focus on parenting with dignity, direction, and deep connection. But wait, there's more! With your village membership, you'll also get exclusive access to the 3D Parent On The Go program. Imagine having a direct line to your own trusted parenting coach right in your pocket. Well, that's what the 3D Parent On The Go program provides. Private, personalized, one-on-one parenting support with me through a convenient app. It's like having a parenting coach at your fingertips whenever you need it. So if you're ready to experience a decrease in isolation, frustration, and overwhelm, follow the link in the show notes to get all the details and sign up for the 3D Parent Village. They say it takes a village to raise a child. Never was that saying more true than when parenting a spicy, spirited, outside-the-box child. Come join us in the 3D Parent Village. We've saved a spot just for you. There can be reasons why forming a secure and deep connection between parent and child can be more challenging in cases, despite a parent's best efforts. And that could be perhaps a child who from early on had inconsistent or too many caregivers. So they couldn't really form that secure attachment with one primary caregivers. There were just too much inconsistency, too many caregivers. That can sometimes impact the development of a secure attachment. There can also sometimes be incidences of illness, both physical or mental illness and behavioral disorders, either from a parent or child or both. There could be separations. Perhaps maybe a parent had to go away for a reason. And so because of that, of course, a secure attachment could not develop. You could also have a child that is extremely highly sensitive. Highly sensitive children have a more difficult time building secure attachments. 
There also can be discipline practices. I'll be talking about that in my next two episodes, but there's discipline practices that can, without knowing so, impact the development. What I mean is there can be discipline practices that a parent can employ that without knowing so could negatively impact a secure attachment from unfolding. And then the other reason, the thing that's really fixable is there could be a lack of actual time in the schedule. Perhaps you have parents who work very, very long hours where the child is away from them uh, quite a bit and then very limited time spent together. And that can impact how long it might take for a deep connection to develop. All of these need to be addressed in one way or another. And if you feel like, gosh, there's a lot of issues that are in the way of this unfolding of the secure attachment between myself and my child, you may need to seek professional interventions, help with therapists, and perhaps even looking at your family structure, your priorities, the way in which you run your household so there can be some consistency or some changes to the schedule that will make it more conducive and possible for a secure, deep attachment to take root. Another really important thing I want to highlight when it comes to developing a deep connection with your child has to do with the orientation. Now, what I mean by this is that it is the parent's responsibility to take the lead when it comes to the relationship with their child and provide for them and to take on the responsibility of creating this deep connection between themselves and their child so that the child is in this natural dependent state receiving our attachment and we're in the natural alpha or providing state as parents. Sometimes for whatever reason, there's lots of reasons, children get in the lead they are the ones that are taking the lead. They're the ones always pursuing us versus us as parents always going and providing. So a child might feel attached, but in the wrong orientation. They're in the lead. They're in charge. They're actively working to get their connection attachment needs meant, met. That is not what's best for children. They should be in a state where they're at rest in our care and they frankly take their connection and attachment with us for granted. They shouldn't have to be even thinking about it. It should just be there, creating the sense of security for them. Sometimes parents, particularly sometimes this has happened in my coaching practice, they come to me and they say, oh my gosh, my child is overly attached or too attached. They're constantly needing to be held and with me, I can't be out of line of sight. They always are trying to get my attention all the time. They say that to me thinking that's a sign of an overly attached, an overattached child, when in fact the opposite is true. Those are all signs of a child who is insecure in their attachment. Therefore, they are constantly at work trying to get their attachment needs met. So it's really important to understand that a securely attached child is not in constant pursuit. They're at rest, they're playing, they're doing the work of childhood, which is to play and explore and develop passions, not constantly trying to pursue our attention. Now, this also could be age appropriate. Sometimes parents are like, oh my gosh, my child just freaks out when I drop them off at daycare and they can't let me out of their line of sight and they have a hard time going to bed at night and letting me leave the room. 
And when we dig a little deeper and they tell me their child is two or three or even four years of age, I let the parent know that actually this is typical development. It should be distressing for a two or three-year-old to be separated for a prolonged period of time from their parent or caregiver. So instead of looking at that as being a problem, we look at how we can help the child feel more secure, what forms of separation we can possibly minimize, and for those that can't be avoidable, like if a parent needs to go to work and the child's going to daycare for the day, how can we make that period of separation less distressing for a child? What kind of environment might be most conducive to a child developing secure attachment, not only with their parents, but also perhaps with the caregivers that are there during the day? And how to maximize the time when the parent and child is together so that they can be continuing to develop this secure bond and not in this mode of insecure attachment. A child that seems like they're in constant pursuit and it's beyond the typical stage of development, maybe they're six, seven, eight years old, that might be a sign that the parent needs to look at what's going on that is creating this sense of insecurity between their child and them. And I help parents do that all the time so that they can do the work necessary to take the lead and providing that secure attachment and making that possible for them or their child. Now I'm going to talk about a couple of solutions for a connection that is not as deeply rooted as one would want between a parent and child, or perhaps it's signs of that insecure attachment, or perhaps in cases when it seems to be in a wrong orientation where the kid is always in the lead or always pursuing the parent. The first solution, again, borrowing from Dr. Gordon Newfeld, is this solution that he calls trumping the needs. What that means is rather than always waiting for a child to come to us, when you trump the attachment needs, you get there first. As a parent, we need to seek before being sought. So that means if your child is out of sight in another room and you notice that, oh gosh, I haven't been together with my child for a little while and your child has a history of always pursuing you, you go to them first. Now, I know that might feel like unthinkable. My child is happily playing independently. Why would I go interrupt that? Well, you do that because this is going to help a child get out of a mode of trying to work to get their attachment needs met. You go there first. You say, hey, I was just thinking about you and I want to see what you're doing. And you interact for them a little while. That will give a child a sense of rest that they won't feel this lacking of connection and lacking of attachment. You will have gone before they have felt that to fill that you know, attachment connection cup back up to the brim or ideally even to overflowing. A second way you can trump the needs is if a child comes to you first, you didn't get there first, you didn't seek before being sought. If a child comes to you, you can make it your idea. So let's say your child comes in the room, you're on the computer or sending off an email and they come to you and say, you know, mommy, come play a game with me. You could say, oh my gosh, I was just thinking the same thing or I was thinking I wanted to play a game with you today too. So you can make it your idea you match their idea with this huge yes that makes them feel really reassured. And the third way is you can give more than is being asked. 
So if a child comes and it's clear that they want a hug or they ask for a hug, you go ahead, of course, and you give them that hug, but then you give them more. So that might look like, oh, of course, I want to give you a hug. And then you won't let go. And you hold them really, really tight and you give them a bunch of kisses. I'm never going to let go forever and ever. And I'm going to cover with you kisses. And you give them more and more and more. A child comes to you and says, I want you to read me this book. Of course, I would love to read you that book. In fact, how about we do two books because I love reading together with you. Let's spend some more time doing that. So those are three examples of ways that you can trump the need of your child when it comes to them feeling a need for attachment, security, and that connection. Another thing you can do for any child who feels just in general, like difficult to lead, they're just always pushing back. Perhaps they are showing a lot of distress and competition when it comes to their siblings or your attention to your work or their tasks, and you're finding it really frustrating. Or perhaps you have a child who is kind of isolating themselves a bit more and seems to kind of have stopped the pursuit, but nevertheless, you're feeling the sense of disconnect between you. Or perhaps you have a child who seems to always be working for that sense of proximity, that sense of connection, that sense of significance. In these cases, it can be really, really helpful to get into the practice of identifying a period of time and creating a routine special time between you and your child. What is special time? Well, sometimes parents are like, well, gosh, I spend a lot of time with my child. I'm I'm with them all day long. Perhaps even a stay-at-home parent will say, gosh, I'm with my child so much. What do you mean I need to create yet another period of special time between me and my child? Special time is different because it is this identified time that is one-on-one just between a parent and a child, and it is guaranteed and it is protected and it is something that becomes part of your daily routine. It only needs to be about 10, maybe 15 minutes, but it needs to be high quality time. And again, this is one-on-one. So if you have multiple children, you might want to try getting a special time routine that alternates between kids where you have it with one child and then the next, or maybe you alternate. If you have a family with two parents, maybe the parents alternate who they have special time with on each day. Ideas of how you can orchestrate this with multiple kids. Again, this is a time that is scheduled and it's guaranteed. It's not something that can be taken away due to undesirable behavior, perhaps. And it also needs to be distraction-free time. So the phones are off, the other siblings are occupied, and you are just all your child's for a period of time. Again, only 10 to 15 minutes. This is also time that should not be tied to another agenda item, like part of the bedtime routine or part of taking your child to daycare or school drop-off or something like that. Although it could immediately precede an agenda item like that, but this is its own entity. It is not part of any other agenda item or routine. You do not need to make special time complicated. Sometimes when I introduce this strategy to parents, they think, oh my gosh, one more thing on my schedule. No, it does not need to be like that. You don't have to go to Michael's and spend a ton of money buying all these craft supplies. You don't have to get something else in your schedule. Again, this is 10 to 15 minutes. Just keep it simple. Just focus on connecting with your child. Follow their lead. What do they want to do during that period of time? What sounds fun? Your keeping that time preserved and protected, but your child can come up with the ideas or you could brainstorm them together. I discourage you from using this time to view any form of media or screens. It just will not have the same effect on your connection, your relationship, your attachment with your child. 
It's okay to let your child know the time frame. In fact, it can be helpful to build some awareness and set the timer. If you've decided that special time for your family is 10 minutes, set the timer to 10 minutes and tell your child, I'm all yours for 10 minutes. What should we do with our time? Older kids, they can benefit from a special time too. You may want to give a different name. You may want to be a little bit more subtle about it. But just think about a time that you build into your day, particularly when you have a tween or teen that spends more time typically on their own in their own room with door closed. Go to them. Spend some time just connecting for connection's sake. Go to them with one of their favorite study snacks and say, hey, I was thinking about you and I made you this snack. Spend some time telling them a funny story about something you did that day or maybe something about your child when they were little. It's just a time to talk about things with your child. Maybe talk about some upcoming plans, but do not use this time when you have this older child and you're trying to build in this moment of connection. Do not use this time to remind them or nag them or comment about the heap of clothes on the floor. Ask them about their homework or grades. This is just connecting just for the sake of your relationship and taking the lead in that relationship with others. So now I want to talk about ideas to deepen attachment at each of those six stages I highlighted, the six stages of attachment from Dr. Newfeld. ideas to deepen the attachment at each attachment stage. And this is just in your day-to-day interactions. But first, I want to start by reading you a quote by Pam Leo, the author of Connection Parenting. In today's lifestyle, having the time and attention to delight in our children is as difficult as trying to stop and smell the roses while running a marathon. However, if we knew that smelling the pleasant aroma of the roses would spur us on to win the race, we would pace ourselves to include rose-smelling time. I share that quote with you because sometimes it feels like we have so much on our plate already. Oh my gosh, now this is one more thing I have to focus on. This is the most important thing to focus on when it comes to your children and raising them. I also want to let you know that it's never too late to deepen or make more secure or reorient your attachment with your child. Perhaps I talked through those six stages and you think, gosh, miss the boat. My kid is really, really stuck in trying to constantly seek proximity. They won't let me out of their view. And they're five. We've not gotten beyond the first stage of attachment. It's never too late. You're going to start where you are right now and keep on focusing, take the lead. And it does take work, but it's not just another thing to do. You might need to really make your, hold yourself accountable to prioritizing your connection with your child, but know that it will pay off in more ways than you can believe. It is really important to do so. Remember in that first episode of this 3D Parent Bootcamp series, I talked in episode number 85, Becoming Grounded as a 3D Parent. I talked about setting an intention with your parenting. Make sure your intentions include focused time, providing a deep connection with your children and things that you can do that aren't conducive for that. So here are some examples of ways that you can match some of your actions to those intentions and how you focus on each of these attachment stages in your day-to-day interaction with your kids. Again, this is not just another thing to do. Just keep it in mind. So the stage of proximity, what can you do? More hugs, kisses, cuddles, physical contact, holding hands, giving your child a massage, or foot rub. You can sit close to each other. You can read books together and you certainly can reach that level of proximity and closeness through providing food, snacks, 
before it is requested. Hey, I thought of you, thought you might be hungry. Providing for them in terms of nourishment, literal nourishment in terms of food. Stage two, sameness, ways you can really take the lead. Model behaviors you'd like to see in your children. See if that can influence them to want to be like you. You can point out similarities, common interests, similar personality traits, likes, dislikes, favorite colors, favorite musicians, things like that. You can create rituals and routines, especially around transition times. You can also use the power of let's. The the word let's can be really, really helpful when it comes to feeling on the same side as your child. Let's go get ready together. Let's take care of this you know, dishes together, sameness, connection, that actually is part of connection. So not only are you working on your connection with your child, you're also maybe getting some really necessary things done, like getting ready for the day or doing a load of dishes. Stage three, things you can do to encourage a sense of belonging and loyalty in your child. You can play games and be on the same side, particularly things like cooperative games are great for this. You can root for the same team. That could be both a way to be pointing out sameness and a sense of belonging and loyalty to one another. You can provide gentle yet firm discipline. Again, that reminds a child that you are up to the task. They belong to you and they can count on you to lead them and create the parameters and limits that are going to help them grow up. You can also use phrases like my child, my boy, my girl, or you're mine. Those words, while they might feel possessive, they really, really make a child feel secure, sense of belonging and loyalty to have those phrases used. Another thing you can do, I talked about in the episode when I was talking about grounding yourself and your role as nurturing alpha, a child feels so secure and loyal to a parent they know is clearly in charge and can not only provide them with warmth and nurturing, but also clear boundaries and limits. And also you can be communicating ongoing, unconditional love and acceptance, knowing your child will be challenged at times when it comes to discipline. This fourth stage, significance, make sure that you light up when your child enters your room, enters your presence. Just turn towards them, drop what you're doing just to look at them with a twinkle in your eye to send this message of, I'm so glad you're here. Notice your child's interests, notice things that are unique about them and point them out with love and acceptance and send a message to your child that they're invited to be in your presence regardless of how they're showing up. It's not conditional upon them showing up in a good mood versus a grumpy mood. They're always invited into your presence. That helps a child feel so important, like they matter no matter what. The fifth stage, what can you do to really instill a sense of love between yourself and this intimate love and connection between yourself and your child? Of course, say I love you often, but make sure you're doing so, not just kind of like saying the words, but making eye contact, give tokens of affection, create I love you rituals, particularly around points of separation. If any of you are familiar with the book, The Kissing Hand, it's this lovely book where there is this ritual that this mama raccoon has 
with her baby when he goes off to school and she kisses his hand to kind of give this sense of connection even when apart. That's an example of an I love you ritual. I have this one I do with my youngest at times when she's kind of struggling to go away from me. I call, We call it giant eye. And we put our foreheads together with our eyes open. We look into each other's eyes and it looks like our eyes kind of form almost like a cyclops eye, a giant eye in the beginning in the middle of our head it's one of our silly little i love you rituals we've come up with contact and closeness but i say let's do giant eye and then we put our foreheads together we look into our giant eyes and i say things like i love you so much i cannot wait to see you at the end of the day and things like that another thing you can do to really create those loving feelings between yourself and your child is tell them the story about their birth or coming home how they were as a young child Tell those loving stories that just makes a child feel so held and so intimately, lovingly connected to their parent. The sixth stage, what can you do to really encourage the sense of being known with for a child? Well, when they're having a tough time and they're really struggling, tell your child what you see. Say things like, I know you so well, I'm going to help you understand what you're feeling. Help them know that you know what's going on for them. That can feel so comforting for a child to have what's going on for them made sense of by their parent or caregiver. You also make sure that you make it very safe for your child to be able to share with you their mistakes, their lies, their wrongdoings, their missteps without fear of shame or punishment. You need to make sure that you instill in your child a sense that you're a safe place, that you can hold their secrets and anything that they have done or said, you can take it and you're going to support them and come alongside them and help problem solve with them. That anything that they're going through, you can be their person to go through it with them. Nothing feels better to a child than knowing that. And then Make time and space for your child and their emotions, even those big, uncomfortable, unpleasant ones. When a child feels known and seen and heard, even when they're really struggling, that really helps them feel very securely attached. Find opportunities to talk with your child. If they tend to be a little bit more closed off, perhaps the eye contact, the face-to-face communication is a bit too much for them. You can have great connecting conversations with them in the car or when doing another activity. Another idea is to maybe write back and forth in a journal. This can be really great, particularly when your child is in that kind of tween stage and maybe starting to kind of think things or wonder things but feel a little bit embarrassed about asking about it. Writing it down might be a little bit less daunting than talking about things or asking things face-to-face. Now, all these ideas I just talked about, they're just meant to be a jumping off point to inspiration. These are not direct instructions. There are countless ways that you can consider deepening and strengthening your parent-child connection at every attachment level. So you need to find the things that really connect to you, feel authentic to you, will be things that you'll remember to do because then you'll actually do it and be in the perfect position to be taking the lead and providing this sense of deep connection for your child. Whatever feels most instinctive and intuitive will stick and will do a lot for your relationship with your child. And no matter what the age of your children, keep this in mind, even if you have an infant or an adult child, keep in mind that again, it is always our role as parents to take the lead in strengthening our connection 
with our child, that there seems to be a rupture, a problem, a break, a disconnect, our role as parents to do the work and take the lead in repairing that, in helping make that connection more secure, it will really help our child in life in more ways than just with your relationship. So spend some time, maybe listen to this again, reflecting upon your connection with each of your children and come up with an action plan. Come up with a plan. Maybe you're going to go ahead and try out the idea of trumping the knees. Come up with an idea of how you might do so. Maybe you're going to put into place this daily 10 minutes of special time with your child. Think about how you can make that happen and partner with your spouse or parenting partner in how to protect that time so you can really, really work on deepening, securing, and fostering that essential deep connection with your child. And here's the bonus. Beyond just this being this essential part of your child's well-being, it also really helps impact your discipline. And that is what I'm going to be diving into in the next two episodes of this series of the 3D Parent Bootcamp. In the next episode, I will be tackling the third D, which is the D of discipline with dignity or dignity in discipline, episode number 85. So that starts with having this secure, deeply rooted connection. If that is in place, the discipline part comes a lot easier. So do not skip past doing the work to really focus on your connection with your child, because if you do that, I guarantee you're going to have less discipline issues to deal with in the first place. And when you do have to insert or deal with things on that discipline level, it's going to come a lot easier. So I will see you on the next episode, episode 88, talking all about discipline. Thanks for joining me here today. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope our conversation has inspired your journey towards building deeper connections with your children and strengthened your resolve to match your parenting intentions with your words and actions. If today's insights resonated with you, the greatest thank you I could receive would be for you to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and share my podcast with others. And for those of you seeking more support with your parenting, consider joining the 3D Parent Village, a nurturing membership community designed for families raising complex kids like yours. Inside the village, connect with like-minded parents, find relief from isolation and overwhelm, and gain access to educational resources, group coaching, and personalized support, all rooted in the transformative 3D Parent approach. They say it takes a village to raise a child. Never was that sentiment more true than when parenting a complex child. So come join us at the 3D Parent Village. We've saved a spot for you.